On this special edition of Sports and More, happy bowl season. I break down and make picks for all 41 of college football's bowl games, all in less than eight minutes. You'll want to hear that because it might help you win the first ever Sports and More t-shirt. More on that in just a moment. And sure, the bowls are fun, but what if the FBS did things a little more like the FCS? Yes, I give you the new and improved college football playoff system endorsed by Washington State's own hilarious walking quote, Mike Leach. All that plus a bedtime story that raises an important question. Would you let your child play tackle football? I'm John Thomas, and this is Sports and More. Episode number nine of Sports and More. John Thomas thanking you for tuning in and listening to yet another edition of the podcast. And we're going to start out this show with a big announcement in the form of a bit of breaking news. Today's breaking news, the Sports and More Bowl Mania Contest through ESPN.com. So basically the idea is you pick each of the 41 college football bowl games. The person who picks the most correctly is the winner of the Sports and More Bowl Mania Contest. And the winner receives the first ever Sports and More t-shirt. That's deserving of a rap porn, perhaps more than anything else we've said on this show before. Yes, we are getting sports and more t-shirts. The winner of the sports and more bowl mania contest will win the first ever sports and more t-shirt in a size of their choosing. So how does one enter? Well, you go to ESPN.com, make your picks for every college football bowl game, enjoy the bowl season, and the person who picks the most correctly wins the shirt. So you go to ESPN.com, under the Fantasy tab, you'll see Bowl Mania. You enter the group name, Sports and More, just like the title of the podcast, the password, all lowercase, no spaces, Sports and More. Pretty simple. Group name, Sports and More, password, all lowercase, no spaces, Sports and More. You have until December 16th when the bowl games start to make your picks for a chance to win that first ever Sports and More t-shirt. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me, sportsandmorepodcast at gmail.com, or tweet at me, sportsandmore4. We're on Facebook as well, any of those things. If you have any questions, please, please feel free to reach out to me there. Let's get started with the podcast. It wasn't going to start like this, but because of some other breaking news, we won't use the breaking news sound again, because of some other breaking news, we have to start with our Wow of the Week. Wow. 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 That's great. Our wow of the week, it's snowing on December 8th in North Carolina. I saw the forecast for snow earlier this week. I didn't believe it either, but lo and behold, I can look outside my window. I can't do that right now because I'm trapped in the closet like R. Kelly, but if I look outside my window, I see one approaching two inches of legit snow on December 8th in North Carolina. I've said that already twice, but it's just so mind-boggling to me. I never expected to see this snow early in the season. Full disclosure, I don't really like the snow. I know a lot of people in the South freak out about it. 
to me, it's just slush, and it makes things more complicated. It's pretty until you actually have to get out in it, and because I have work this weekend, I'll have to get out in it. So, it's fine. It is worth a while, though, because, again, I never expected to see snow on December 8th. I can't ever remember it snowing in the month of December in my lifetime in North Carolina. Pretty bizarre stuff. Now, let's get to the meat of this podcast that that's over. As I promised in the intro, I am now going to pick every bowl game with analysis, with a relevant statistic or some form of relevant analysis in less than eight minutes. So this will be 41 bowl games in less than eight minutes. I'm on my phone now, going to my stopwatch. I'm ready to go. We're going to do this in eight minutes. So time it on my, on my mark in three, two, one. Every bowl game in eight minutes, starting now. The Celebration Bowl, Grambling versus North Carolina A&T. Grambling won this matchup last year. The Aggies want revenge. The Aggies win. The RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, Troy versus North Texas. Troy beat LSU earlier this season. They're better. Troy wins. AutoNation Cure Bowl, Western Kentucky versus Georgia State. Hilltopper quarterback Mike White has almost 4,000 passing yards. Better QB equals a victory. Las Vegas Bowl, number 25, Boise State versus Oregon. Oregon coach Willie Taggart is leaving after the year for Florida State. I don't like drama in bowl games. Broncos win. Gildan, New Mexico Bowl, Colorado State versus Marshall. I watched Colorado State play in a game in a borderline blizzard against Wyoming. They're tough. They win. Raycom Media Camellia Bowl, Middle Tennessee versus Arkansas State. Red Wolves finish the year 6-2. and two. I'll take the hot hand. Cherubundi Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl. Not sure if that's English, but Akron plays Florida Atlantic. Give me Lane Kiffin and his Owls. And Akron is Kent State's rival, so I can't pick them even if I wanted to. Go Flashes. DXL Frisco Bowl. Louisiana Tech and SMU. SMU scores more points on average, and scoring more points than the other teams wins football games. Mustangs win. Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. Temple and Florida International. FIU's coached by Butch Davis. I'll take the better coach. Bahamas Bowl, a.k.a. the best bowl ever, UAB and Ohio. Ohio stopped caring after it couldn't win the MAC East. They still won't be caring. UAB wins. The famous Idaho Potato Bowl, Central Michigan and Wyoming, our first conditional pick. If quarterback Josh Allen plays for Wyoming, I take them. If not, give me CMU. The Birmingham Bowl, Texas Tech versus number 23, South Florida. Power 5 teams don't care about the Birmingham Bowl. Non-Power 5 teams do. Bulls win. The Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, San Diego State and Army. It's the Armed Forces Bowl. I don't often pick against option teams in bowl games. The Army keeps rolling. Dollar General Bowl. Not sure what that trophy looks like, but it'll be App State and Toledo. Sorry, Bab fans. MAC champion Toledo is really good and on a mission. Rockets take the win. Hawaii Bowl, the second best bowl ever. Fresno State and Houston. Fresno State already played once in Hawaii this year and won. They'll do it again. The Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl, Utah and West Virginia. Mountaineers don't have Will Greer, but Utah lost to basically every kind of good Pac-12 team. Go Ears. Quick Lane Bowl, a.k.a. the bowl that's probably in Detroit for a reason. Duke and Northern Illinois. Blue Devils are better and finish with a good win against Wake Forest. Duke wins. Cactus Bowl, Kansas State and UCLA. The Bruins went 6-0 at home, 0-6 on the road. The game is in Arizona. We'll play something like a home game, I guess. I'll take UCLA. The Walk-On's Independence Bowl, Florida State and Southern Miss. I know a lot's been going on at FSU, but don't overthink this. Seminole. New Era Pinstripe Bowl, Iowa and Boston College. The Eagles are kind of good. It's in New England. Ah, what the heck. Boston College wins. Foster Farms Bowl, Arizona and Purdue. The Boilermakers lost to Rutgers this year. 
There you go. Wildcats win. Academy Sports and Outdoors, Texas Bowl, Missouri and Texas. Well, it's the Texas Bowl. Texas is in it. Duh. Hook em. Military Bowl presented by Northrop Grumman, whoever he is. Navy and Virginia Military Academy running the option in the Military Bowl. This is too easy. Navy. Camping World Bowl, number 22 Virginia Tech and number 17 Oklahoma State. Cowboys have Mason Rudolph at quarterback. The Hokies don't. Pistols firing for Hokie State. Valero Alamo Bowl, number 15 Stanford and number 13 TCU. Both teams lost conference championship games. Give me the one with the stud running back, Bryce Love and Stanford. San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl, number 21 Washington State and number 18 Michigan State. Cougars lost their shot to go to a conference championship to their arch rival. You don't recover from that for the Holiday Bowl. Sparty rolls. The Belt Bowl, Wake Forest and Texas A&M. Aggies fired their coach. Jimbo Fisher is in, but like I've said before, I don't like teams in transition in bowl games. Plus, Wake will be fired up for this game. The Deeks are as good as they've been in a while, and that offense is legitimately dangerous. Go Deeks. Hyundai Sun Bowl, number 24 NC State and Arizona State. It won't be pretty, but the Wolfpack have a good front seven, Naheem Hines, and a good quarterback. Too much for the Sun Devils. Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl, Kentucky and number 20 Northwestern. Full disclosure, I know absolutely nothing about these teams except that it's a wildcat battle. Northwestern finished the season with seven straight wins. Kentucky didn't. There you go. Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl, New Mexico State and Utah State. From the Wildcat to the Aggie Bowl, New Mexico State won its final two games to go to its first bowl game since 1960, also against Utah State. Fun fact, no way they aren't winning this game. New Mexico State rolls. Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, number 8 USC and number 5 Ohio State in your de facto Rose Bowl game, except this is on December 29th. Buckeyes have more weapons. Ohio State wins close. The Tax Slayer Bowl, Louisville and number 24 Mississippi State. Louisville's really good quarterback will be playing. Mississippi State's won't be. Cardinals win. The AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Iowa State and number 19 Memphis. Tigers played UCF extremely close in the American Athletic Conference Championship. They'll still be ready to go for this game. Memphis is better. They win. PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, number 12 Washington and number 9 Penn State. Nittany Lions have X-Factor Saquon Barkley. I'll take Penn State close. Should be a great game. Capital One Orange Bowl, number 6 Wisconsin and number 11 Miami. It's literally a home game for Miami. But did you watch that ACC championship game? Now that the playoff is out of the picture, no way. I've seen this movie before. Wisconsin wins. Outback Bowl, Michigan and South Carolina. Is it just me or do these teams play in this game every year? Also, this game is a reminder of how bad the Big Ten and the SEC were this year after the top four or so teams. Michigan beat one bowl-eligible team, 6-6 six six Purdue. South Carolina beat two in the first two weeks of the season, NC State and Missouri. I'll take Harbaugh, though. Michigan wins. Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, number 10 UCF and number 7 Auburn. Good thing New Year's falls on a Monday and not a Sunday, right? Anyway, this will be a Western Michigan situation. UCF plays Auburn close, but the Tigers have too much firepower in the end. Citrus Bowl presented by Overton's number 16 LSU and number 14 Notre Dame. The Irish lost two of three and kind of limped to the finish. LSU won six of seven with the lone loss coming to Alabama. Tigers roar. And we made it. Time for playoff predictions with a minute to spare. The Rose Bowl, number three Georgia and number two Oklahoma. One team is starting a freshman quarterback. The other one is starting Baker Mayfield. Georgia is the more complete team, but I'll take the superstar on the big stage to make one too many plays. Sooners win close. All-State Sugar Bowl. You got what you wanted, folks. Number one, Clemson, and number four, Alabama. The tide didn't look great down the stretch. Clemson did. This Alabama team isn't as good as it was last year. This Clemson team might be as good. 
Plus, and I've now seen Nick Saban grovel for playoff consideration and complain about injuries, I see some weakness in Alabama. Dabo and the Tigers return to the title game. So that means the college football national championship number one and number two, Clemson and Oklahoma. The Tigers win it. Clemson is the most complete team in the country. Oklahoma isn't, despite the talents of Baker Mayfield. The Tigers repeat as national champs. There you go. Did it in under eight minutes with about 20 seconds to 30 seconds to spare. All those bowl games done. All 41 of them. <sighs> Give me a moment to catch my breath because all those bowl games are fun. But what if we had a larger playoff instead? Washington State coach Mike Leach thinks so, and I think the FCS or whatever it's called model could work. And then now they've changed the initials because in this era of political correctness, they love to change initials and make it proper to say things one way instead of another. And I forget what the initials is. But then they go to one double A. Okay, at one double A. How do they do it? One double A. One double A. I mean, because that's getting closer to us and we're really sophisticated because we're major, major one A. How do they do it in one double A? You know what? They have a playoff for it, Matt. And they play it and they figure it out. Indeed, they do, Mike Leach, in 1AA or whatever it's called. So, in 1AA or FCS, as it is more appropriately called by the non-politically correct folks, I don't understand what political correctness has to do with naming the FCS, but whatever. Anyways, the point is Mike Leach is a walking quote, and hopefully we'll have him included in this podcast some more. Anyways, the FCS does a 24-team bracket, if you're not familiar with that. So basically, that bracket format means that eight teams get a first-round bye, the remaining 16 play in the play-in rounds, and then the winners face those top eight. Now, you may say, oh, well, that puts some teams at a disadvantage because some teams have to play two games. That's kind of the idea of rewarding the top eight teams for finishing in the top eight. But if you look at the bracket this year, three of those teams that advanced from that play-in game went on to beat higher seeds in the second round. So three out of eight higher seeds lost in that next round. That's a pretty normal average ratio. So that tells me that that really isn't an issue in terms of having teams play an extra game. So I thought, what if we did that in the FBS? What if we had that model and we put the top 24 teams? And why 24? I think the FCS gets it right. Because I don't think 16 is quite enough, but I think 32 is too many. Because then you get into some teams that aren't ranked. This basically gives every top 25 team, except for that one loner, a shot. So here's what it would look like if you did have 24 teams. And I will post this to our Twitter, follow at SportsAndMore4, so you can see it for yourself. I generated this bracket a couple of days ago. Number one, obviously, Clemson. Two, Oklahoma. Three, Georgia. Four, Alabama. Five, Ohio State. Six, Wisconsin. Seven, Auburn. Eight, USC. Those eight teams get buys. Clemson will face the winner of 16 and 17, Michigan State and LSU. USC gets either number 9 Penn State, number 24 NC State. Alabama gets 13th ranked Stanford or 20th ranked Memphis. Ohio State gets either UCF or Northwestern. Oklahoma gets TCU or Washington State. Auburn gets Miami or Mississippi State. Georgia gets Notre Dame or Oklahoma State. And Wisconsin gets either Washington or Virginia Tech. Now this to me, again, I don't think any of those teams were undeserving. Here are some of the key points to this for me. Number one, it gets some of these mid-majors, I put that in air quotes, you can't see that because it's a podcast, 
mid-majors a chance to prove themselves. UCF gets Northwestern in the first round. That's a game I would think UCF would win. And then they get their shot at Ohio State. Memphis gets a shot at Stanford. If they somehow pull off that upset, they would then face Alabama. So it gives some of these teams a shot, and it also gives some teams left just on the outside looking in a shot. So let's say Wisconsin is able to advance out of the number six spot. They beat Washington, maybe, who advances past Virginia Tech in the first round. Wisconsin then would get a shot, if everything goes according to plan, at Georgia. The bowl games are fun. We're aware of this. We know the bowl games are fun. I just went through and picked all 41 in less than eight minutes. I really like bowl season. But we know bowl season is about the money. It's about all these different sponsors. It's about all these different things. Bowl season is about the money. This would be ideally about the football, and you'd still make plenty of money off the TV rights to this thing. Mike Leach has a point. Every other football system in existence, from youth to the NFL, has a bracketed playoff system. Why doesn't college football? I think it would be fascinating to see. Bowl season's fun. There's nothing wrong with bowl season. I'm glad the playoffs been instituted, and I enjoy bowl season. But it would be very easy, even though, and I know the argument would be against it, tradition. And you've got the Rose Bowl and the Orange Bowl and the Peach Bowl. Well, the Rose Bowl this year doesn't feature the two Big Big Ten and the Pac-12 champions. They play in the Cotton Bowl, as I noted in my eight-minute pick'em. So if you're going to throw tradition out the window there, why not go a little further and maybe just make the Rose Bowl one of the semifinals here in this 24-team bracket? There's plenty of ways around this, plenty of ways to incorporate it. College football just likes the money they get from bowl games they, and the TV rights they get from bowl games. I don't know why that couldn't transition to a bracket form, but maybe there's something I don't know. Please let me know if you have arguments for or against a 24-team bracket, if you think it should go bigger, or if you think it should be downsized to 8 or 16. Please let me know. I'm very interested to hear your comments, as I'm interested to hear your comments about today's bedtime story. Let's get to that. Today's bedtime story is more of a question, and I posed this in the intro. Would you let your child play tackle football? The reason I ask, and obviously I have to ask someone other than myself because I'm 22 years old, I'm just graduating from college, I am very much single, and I am very far from having a child in my life to begin to make this decision. But the reason I bring this up, Ryan Shazier of the Pittsburgh Steelers required emergency spinal stabilization surgery after making a tackle against the Bengals on Monday Night Football. If you watch the video from Shazier, it looks kind of harmless at first, but then you realize that Shazier committed, Shazier, excuse me, committed the cardinal sin of a tackling player in the NFL or at any level of football. He put his head down didn't keep his head up, didn't put his nose on the numbers, as would as the old adage goes. He tucked his head down, and as soon as the hit happens, you see it and you kind of cringe because you see his body kind of recoil, and then you see him immediately reach for his back. Now, very fortunately, it doesn't appear that he's going to have any kind of issues with paralysis, but this is the kind of thing that can do that. The thing about this is that Shazier was a first-round draft pick. He attended Ohio State. He plays for the Steelers, one of the best defensive teams historically in the NFL. You can teach good form, as a lot of people preach, but that doesn't always translate to the game. This type of injury, sadly, and I will argue this pretty vehemently, is part of the game of football. 
With that in mind, I want to ask you that question again. Would you let your child play tackle football? I'm going to put a poll up on Twitter, ask the question on Facebook as well. Feel free to send your thoughts. I really want thoughts on this from people my age, from people who are older, from people who have been through this decision of allowing their children to play football, people who have played football, people who haven't played football. I want lots of different perspectives on this. So please email me. Feel free to send thoughts to sportsandmorepodcast at gmail.com as well. You can reach out via Twitter or Facebook where I will put up questions about this, uh, hopefully today when I release this podcast. It's a legitimate question, though. I think saying that it is not a legitimate question is nearsighted. I think you have to be able to consider this question as a parent. I don't know that I have a stance on this. As I said, I'm far from having a child of my own, so maybe this question is more for you parents out there who are listening. Now, it wasn't a question that was a huge issue, I don't think, for my parents. Now, there was one year when I was young, I think I was maybe 9, 10 years old, not 100% sure, but I wanted to play tackle football, and my mom and dad allowed me to play for one year. The problem was I also realized that everyone was bigger than me and I didn't really want to tackle people that were bigger than me. So I didn't make much of a football player and that was it. I never played tackle football again. I've played a ton of flag football since that time, but that's all the experience I had playing tackle football. My father played several years of football when he was in high school. So, you know, there's some football playing experience in my family and football is a good sport and I am a huge proponent of team sports. I want to make this extremely clear because some people say, oh, you don't want people to play football. You don't want them to participate in sports. Folks, I have a podcast called Sports and More. I want to work in sports for a living. I am a huge, huge endorser of team sports because I believe team sports particularly, especially for younger children, teach values that nothing else, save maybe a few other things, can teach. Now, if your child doesn't like sports, there are plenty of other things, like I said, that I think can teach these values. I think maybe a choir, a theater production, if someone's more interested in those things, I know that's the opposite end of the spectrum, but if your child is more interested in those things, that's what your child should do, and those require teamwork. Those are a team sport, in a way. In a play, you've got different people memorizing their lines. Everyone has to work together. You have to all chip in and help. In a choir, you have 20, 30, 40, however big the choir is, people singing together. You have to work very hard. You have to come together. You have to overcome each other's differences. You have to work things out between each other. So those things are functioning like a team. However, I believe sports are the easiest way and the most common way to get a child exposed to team sport values. And I think teamwork is so very important. I think we lose the value of teamwork a lot of times in our society, focusing only on ourselves, focusing on what we can accomplish for each other. But those who have played team sports understand the idea of sacrifice, understand the idea of doing something for the team and not just for yourself. I think there are so many values about selflessness, about hard work, about empathy, about sympathy. I think there are just values that I have instilled in my life, I believe, you may beg to differ if you know me, but things that I think have been instilled in my life by the way I was raised, and I think sports were a big part of that, and I think it's something that people need in their lives at a young age. Now, if your child doesn't like sports, then there's plenty of other things that you can get them involved in, but you need to be involved in some sort of team-building, team-structured activity. They're not just for health. It's good, certainly, for your health, 
but they are very important, I believe, team sports for the values they teach. Here's what I would say, my opinion on the whole football situation after my nice tangent about the importance of team sports. It would not be the first sport I would direct my child to at a young age. I would direct my child to soccer, baseball, or basketball. They would all come first. Now, I understand there are plenty of injuries you can sustain in those sports, and I've sustained a decent amount of them. I've gotten hurt playing flag football. I've gotten hurt playing soccer. I've gotten hurt playing baseball. I've gotten hurt playing basketball. I've gotten hurt in all these different ways, but at no point in time have I ever suffered, knock on wood, a serious injury from baseball, basketball, or soccer, and I haven't played enough football. I've sprained some ankles. I've gotten hits different ways. I've gotten bruises. I've gotten a borderline black eye, but I never had a traumatic head injury. I never had a traumatic spine injury. Nothing like that. So to me, those are the things I would direct my child to first. I would not go to my child and say, hey, do you want to play football? If my child came to me and said, I want to play football, then I'd begin looking into it and begin researching it. If nothing else, you have to make sure that whoever is teaching your child football is teaching proper tackling form. Because even for someone like Ryan Shazier, an NFL player who played at Ohio State and has been playing football for years, you can have inappropriate form on one tackle and it can cause a potentially life-threatening and certainly career-threatening injury as he faced in that game. And that is just part of football. It's a risk you take. So no matter what, if you are going to expose your child to that risk, my belief is that you need to be at the very least with someone who is teaching tackling appropriately and teaching your child the very, very, very important skill of keeping yourself safe and what you can do to keep yourself safe on a football field. Again, I want to hear from you on this. Sports and more podcast at gmail.com. Polls going up on Twitter and Facebook. Would love to hear all of your thoughts on this. That's all for sports and more. Just gave you all the contact information. You can get involved by listening on iTunes. You can subscribe there. You can also listen on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash sports and more. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this snowy edition of sports and more. I'm John Thomas signing off. Have a great day.